Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. The Guardian. Freshly ironed uniforms, new stationery and COVID jabs? Back to school is looking a little different this year. Last week, the MHRA, which regulates medicines in Britain, approved the Moderna COVID vaccine for children aged 12 to 17. The Pfizer jab was given the green light from the same group in early June. Now it's up to the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation to advise the government on whether young people should be vaccinated. At the moment, jabs are being offered to 16 and 17-year-olds as well as 12 to 15-year-olds who are either vulnerable themselves or live with someone who is clinically vulnerable. So as they get ready to flock to the classroom, one of the big concerns for parents is whether or not to vaccinate their children. Survey data shows most parents do want to vaccinate their kids and the bigger concern for them is for their children to go back to in-person learning. I'm Shivani Dave, and from The Guardian, this is Science Weekly. When it comes to taking the shots, the UK is late to the party. The US, France, Israel and Germany have all gone ahead with vaccinating over 12s. Depending on who you ask, vaccinating children in the UK is the next logical step forward. But not everyone agrees. The Guardian science correspondent Natalie Grover is here to help talk through the pros and cons of vaccinating the next generation. Up until now, children have been getting their vaccinations elsewhere. Why is the UK not in the same boat? That's a good question, one that myself and others in the media and indeed the wider scientific community continually ask. The JCVI, which is the body that makes the recommendations uh, to the government about who to vaccinate and when and how, um, has sort of been very cautious in their approach and in their communication of um, vaccinating uh, children over the age of 12. They've said they 
are worried, for instance, about the risk of um, a condition that is sort of characterized by heart inflammation, myocarditis. Um, And they've basically suggested that the benefit-risk profile um, of, of vaccinating this age group in children who don't have underlying conditions at the moment is not convincing enough. I mean, there is this perception that children don't seem to be affected as bad as adults. Does that play into the cost-benefit analysis that they would be taking into account? Absolutely. And they're not wrong in suggesting that. Those are the facts, that children are less affected. They are less likely to fall seriously ill. They're obviously, um, as a result, less likely to die. All of those things stand even if not every child is falling seriously ill, if you have enough cases, you will have a proportion of those cases that will fall seriously ill. And this is just about acute disease that we've spoken about. We also have the question of long COVID. Now, the prevalence of long COVID in adults and indeed children is not well defined, but it's not insignificant. And so you could have um, children who might be affected for weeks uh, by, by, by getting this um, virus. So it's more about this being, for some scientists at least, uh, a matter of education has been interrupted for so long. Um, you know, there's so many kids that are behind. And just, you know, a couple of weeks here more and a couple of weeks uh, there, it just all adds up. We know that they work in these in this patient population, um, what's the holdup? Why can't we do it? When it comes to children and medical trials, there are obviously safety concerns and safeguarding that comes into place. In the initial trials for the vaccines, the COVID vaccines, why weren't children included? So in general, I think it's important to remember it's not just about these vaccine trials, but indeed sort of all sorts of medical interventions. You know, children aren't little adults, if you get my drift. So they're, they have different physiology, their immune systems aren't quite as developed. In general, you wouldn't sort of assume that something that works in adults or, or has a particular reaction in adults will, um, will automatically be the same for children. We do have other vaccines, for instance, that have to be reformulated or other drugs, in fact, that you know, are given at different doses because children are just um, not able, their, their bodies don't absorb and react the same way that adults do. And so therefore, it's only reasonable that um, these studies would uh, be done separately for for younger people. That throws up lots of different questions about whether or not vaccines then need to be reformulated for children or or different doses need to be given to children. But the MHRA have now approved Pfizer and Moderna for 12 to 17 year olds. What's the process like now for that to turn into policy? Right, so the MHRA's job here is basically to to decide um, whether the data that has been submitted by the, in this case, these companies is good enough for them to sign off on on this 
particular intervention being safe and effective in the age category that, that we're talking about. So they've done that. Then the JCVI looks at the data and says, we think you should deploy it in this category of people. And then the government makes the final decision. But as it stands, the JCVI has basically said in people aged 12 to 15, um, only if they are themselves vulnerable or live with somebody who's vulnerable, should they be offered the vaccine. Whether or not that means um, that in the future they could um, offer the vaccine to pretty much everybody uh, aged 12 to 15 is is quite possible. In fact, Jonathan Van Dam essentially suggested um, at one of the recent briefings that it was more likely than not that that would be the case. Um, but, you know, it's not happened yet. What is happening behind the scenes at JCVI is, is anybody's guess. They've just intimated that they aren't at the moment comfortable with... Um, rolling the vaccines out um, broadly in the 12 to 15-year-olds. They've also been very publicly clear that their decision has nothing to do with supply issues. So if it's not supply issues, um, then it's it's probably something to do with safety. But again, it's unclear what they know that other regulators and other policymakers around the world don't have access to. Outside of the risks that have already been mentioned to do with the heart problems and other concerns that the JCVI might have about vaccinating young people that we've touched on, are there other arguments against vaccinating people in this age group? Initially, there was an argument made that, you know, should we be vaccinating children when there are so many sort of parts of the world where even the most sort of vulnerable adults and and uh, you know immunocompromised people and sort of generally even you know parts of the world that haven't seen a single vaccine or even gotten their first jabs and you know is that is that a morally sort of appropriate way of doing things um but I think there have been flaws that have been pointed out in that argument. I think in general, you could make that argument. You could make that argument, you know, out of America for the the global thing perspective. But for the UK side of things, that argument doesn't hold water. Because we could only use the Pfizer and the Moderna anyway. And it, those are the ones that we're ourselves importing because we're not making them. So the only thing that we would be sending, you know, to other places from our own resources is the AstraZeneca job. And that's not being used in that age group. If those are the main arguments against vaccinating children, what are some of the main benefits of vaccinating this age group? You know, unlike a lot of other countries, we're sort of pretty much taking away all non-pharmaceutical interventions when it comes to um, schools. So we're not going to have the bubble system anymore. We're not going to have, um, you know, CO2 monitors like like Scotland, for instance, is, is putting in classrooms. We're not having a mask policy or social distancing. So all of that has been removed. So essentially, um, and most schools don't have, you know, proper ventilation. Um, you're going to have a lot of people indoors for 35 hours a week. So the likelihood of there being a high level of cases um, in in school settings is 
pretty much inevitable. With this virus, especially with the Delta variant, we know that being vaccinated um, doesn't thwart our ability entirely to be infected and or transmit the disease. So we have to deal with this, um, you know, in line with what we're seeing, which is that if we are vaccinating children, we know that it's it's not going to hurt the rest of the population. In fact, it'll probably be good for the rest of the population. But it, in terms of the idea of herd immunity, it's not going to help. So what we need to realize is that if we start vaccinating this age group, we need to uh, be sure that the benefit-risk equation it solely is in favor of children themselves. I think that is what JCVI is currently not convinced of, apart from children who are vulnerable or living with vulnerable adults. So we'll see uh, whether that changes. It sure does feel like a waiting game at the moment. Thank you so much for your time, Natalie. Thank you. The latest on COVID vaccinations from The Guardian can be found on the podcast's webpage. Next week on Science Weekly, we will have special episodes from our Age of Extinction team, talking all about trees. If you have any thoughts, feedback or episode ideas, please email us at scienceweekly at theguardian.co.uk. That's all for this episode. Bye for now. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.